Grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us hear the word of God as we find it recorded in Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, being there in the twelfth chapter, especially the ninth verse. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Hello, uh, dear friends in Christ Jesus. You who are here in God's house and you also Christian friends who are worshiping with us by means of the radio. In spite of the weather, it is nice, isn't it, to be here in church this Sunday morning? And it's nice, radio audience, to have you worshiping with us, too. And I do hope that all of us are glad that we are worshiping in this hour. You heard me say, friends, at the lectern that today in the Christian church is known as Sexagesimus Sunday. Now, that word, sexagesima, is a Latin word, and it simply means the numeral 60. It indicates that now we are in the church here about 60 days away from Easter. A sexagesima is the second of three Sundays preceding the Lenten season. And in the ancient Christian church, the epistle lesson that was read on this sexagesima Sunday was taken from Paul's second letter that he wrote to the Christian congregation at Corinth in Greece, a congregation that Paul had established when, you remember, he was on his second missionary journey. And in this section of scripture, Paul is defending himself, and he's actually given to boasting, even though he didn't want to do it. But what had happened? In the Corinthian church, there were some false teachers who were undermining Paul and saying he was not an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so Paul, defending himself, was telling all the things that he had done in the kingdom of God and all of the things that he had endured to show that he was an apostle and a preacher of Jesus Christ. And in connection with that defense and that boasting, as it were, for which he apologized, we find Paul writing to the Christian congregation, telling about an illness that came to his body. He told them that there came a sword in the flesh. It was the messenger of Satan, he said, that buffeted him. It was a dagger in the flesh. And he told them that three times he turned to the Lord and he fervently asked God to take it away. And three times God said, no, Paul, no, Paul, no, Paul, I am not going to take that thorn in the flesh, that affliction away from your body. And then he told the Corinthians that when God told him, no, Paul, I am not going to take your affliction away, that God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And this is the basis of our sermon this morning on this sexagesima Sunday. And as we allow Paul through the word of God to speak to you and me this morning, this is what he says to you and me. When God says no to you and to me as regards bodily affliction, when God says no, I am not going to make you well. I am not going to take your affliction away from you. I am not going to remove your disease. Paul assures you and me that God's grace, God's love, his mercy, his compassion is sufficient for us 
When God says no, I am not going to take that sickness from your bodies. Paul says, as God told him, remember that God's love is all you need. It's enough. It's ample. You don't need God's yes. That God will say, yes, I am going to take that illness from your body. And you and I may have a little trouble there. We may say, if the time has come, perhaps this time has come in your life. Perhaps it will come soon in our lives when God will say, no, my answer is no, definitely no, I am not going to take that affliction from your body. And you and I may say, you mean to say, Paul, that God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion is all that I need, it's sufficient, it's enough, that I do not need a yes. And we may say, how in the world can God's love ever compensate for the fact that God says no? If God says no when I ask him to bring healing to my body, how can his love ever in any way balance that or compensate for that or make up for that? But Paul was told by God when God three times said, No, Paul, I am not going to take that thorn in the flesh from you. I am not going to heal you. That God said, My grace is sufficient for thee. And then God said, Because, Paul, remember this, He said, My strength, that is His grace, His tremendous grace, God says, It's made perfect. It does its finest work, Paul, in weakness. When I say no, Paul, and I refuse to bring healing to your body, remember, Paul, that's when my grace, my love, has its grandest hour, when it brings the blessings that more than compensate for the fact God told him that I refuse to say yes and I say no. And today, Paul assures you and me that when God says no, and God says, I am not going to take that affliction from your body. It's going to stay with you. That God assures you and me that his love is all that we need because that love, oh, it has its finest hour when God says no to you and me. I am not going to heal you. And it brings blessings that are far better than a yes than for God to grant healing and to remove an affliction from our bodies. And you and I this morning may say, how can the love of God ever offset God's refusal to say yes and to have God say, no, son, daughter, I am not going to heal your body. How can his love bring us better blessings than an answer of, yes, I will heal you. But Paul reminds you and me in the first place that when God says no to you and to me in any bodily affliction that may come, that it's then that God's love, it brings you and me to a fuller appreciation of Christ as Savior. We may say, what was this thorn in the flesh that God sent to Paul? You know, it's rather difficult to know. Paul says it was like a messenger of Satan to jab him this thorn in the flesh that must have been an excruciating thing. It must have brought a lot of pain. And yet, as doctors look at all the symptoms that Paul mentions, it's rather difficult to diagnose and say just what was it. There are those when Paul said at one time that he gave a rather hitty 
a sight to people that saw him that perhaps he was suffering from epilepsy, that he had epileptic seizures and that the foam came to his mouth as you know it does and again the blood runs from the nose and from the ears. It may have been epilepsy. It may have been glaucoma, something about his eyes because Paul talked also about not being able to see well. But there was something about his body besides pain that it was not a pleasant sight to see. But Paul went three times to God and said, Oh God, take it away. And three times God answered, No, Paul, I'm not going to take it away. No, no, I am not going to take this affliction away from your body. And you and I say to ourselves, Does love more than compensate in blessings? You know what's a tremendous thing? What God's love does when God says no in your life and mine and God says I'm not going to heal you it just isn't going to come you know love does something then we turn and we look at Christ and oh what a greater appreciation we have of him as Savior then it is when God says no that we say how does it come that there's illness in this world? How does it come that so many get sick? How does it come that God says no? Why do we die? Why do these things come? And then we go back to the Garden of Eden and we say our first parents sinned. And they brought sin into the world. And when they did, because of sin, sin has passed upon all of us and therefore illness comes and affliction comes to our bodies. Then we say, but thank God. God that he sent Jesus Christ where would we be if we didn't have a savior where would we be when again God is saying no to an affliction in my body if there wasn't a savior that came into the world and on the cross bore the eternal punishment of sin where would we be without a Christ who on the cross bore again our guilt and our punishment and brought eternal life for all men and then there grows in a tremendous way a wonderful appreciation that you and I never realized possible that Christ is our Savior and that love brings us this tremendous blessing there is an unshakable faith in Christ as Savior as our most prized possession how does Christ grow as Savior in your life and mine? It's when God says no. It's when we realize that the affliction is not going to be taken away from our body. It's going to remain. And then Jesus Christ shines. And then it is that we say to ourselves, He's the grandest possession that I've got. Nothing can ever be a substitute. Nothing else matters in my life. I have Christ as Lord and Savior and therefore I know that in eternity there will be no illness, there will be no suffering, there will be no pain, there will be no death, there will be no pain from the eternal consequences of sin and I shall enjoy heaven forever. And that blessing, when we have an unshakable faith in him as our greatest prize, that's even greater than a yes. Supposing it were always yes in your life and mine, that whenever illness, whenever an adversity came to our body in affliction, it was always yes, it's grand, but at best it's only temporary. Health is only a temporary blessing. And oh, perchance there's this danger, if it were always yes in your life and mine, Christ might accidentally slip through your fingers and mine, and we never know that he's gone. 
Paul says this to you and me, if God has said no in your life and mine, if God is saying, no, son, daughter, I'm not going to heal you, you have every indication that it's not going to come. I am not going to remove this affliction from you because my love is sufficient. It's all that you need. You don't need a yes because God says it's the grandest hour in your life when I say no because my love it brings you blessings that more than offset a yes from me. You know, if you and I this morning would believe that, then this would be the day that we would determine this, that we're never going to blaspheme, we are never going to grow bitter when God says no in your life and mine. I am not going to bring a removal of your affliction. But that you and I in that moment would remember the hundreds of times when God did say yes. Oh, how men become bitter. How men again blaspheme God because the answer is no. And fail to realize how many times in your life and mine did God say yes. Do you and I not realize that even in the case of his son in Gethsemane, that God to his son Jesus says, No, son, I am not going to take the cross away. When that son prayed, O oh, my father, if it be possible, in Gethsemane, God to his own son said, No, son, three times, No, son, No, son, I'm not going to say yes. It's the cross. And Paul again began to realize the things when God did say yes. Talked about the time, he said, why I, when he was defending himself, he says, I've been in jail more than all these other false teachers who are accusing me of not having authority. And I was in Caesarea over on the Mediterranean Sea. Maybe some of you have been there in that ancient Roman city. And there are the ruins of the stockade of the jail where Paul spent two years. And I'm telling you, it's something to see. To know that a man was locked up in a dungeon like you still see on the Sea of Galilee in the ancient city of Caesarea. And Paul says five times he said I was whipped with lashes I got 39 stripes less one they always gave 39 not quite 40 because usually the 40th lash with the whip meant death Paul said I went through that five times and God said yes he saved me and Paul says three times they took rods and they beat my back and God said yes and I lived so again God didn't say no once I was stoned you remember they stoned him they left him for dead and Paul got up and walked away and Paul said then God said yes he didn't let that affliction be fatal he did let me live and then Paul said three times I was shipwrecked and God saved me says I spent 24 hours in the sea one time holding on to a raft for dear life and God saved me and they were hunting me and then he said when I got out of Damascus and it's an interesting thing if you get up into Damascus and Syria and you stand at that outer wall the window is still there when that night again when no one was looking they were trying to kill Paul in the city they let him down by a basket and the great missionary to the Gentiles went down the Damascus road you stand there and you thrill God said yes but there came the time in Paul's life when God said, No, Paul, I am not going to remove your affliction. It, the answer, Paul, is no. It's no. It's no. 
And when you and I and our lives can think of the number of times when God's answer was yes, then we have this comfort that having the love of God, His mercy, His grace, we know this and have this comfort that when God says no in your life and mine, no son, no daughter, I'm not going to heal you, it's never punishment. Thank God it isn't. Paul never said, God, I know you're punishing me. Sometimes you folks come to me and you say, is God punishing me and you're so miserable because you suddenly have realized that there is an affliction in your body that is not going to be taken away. It is something that is incurable. It's an affliction that has come. And you say, is God punishing me? Listen, friend. When God's mercy again comes to you and me, and God said it's all that you need, God doesn't punish his own. Paul was one who went out and persecuted Christians, but God had forgiven him. God never punishes his children. There's this glorious comfort that when the time comes in your life and mine, when God says, no, I am not going to heal you, then we can say, but nothing else matters, Lord God. I know that you love me. And when we have love and we know God isn't punishing us, oh, that's a tremendous, discomfort. Today is sexagesima Sunday. Today is the Sunday when again we're talking about the time when God says no. When God says to you and to me no. And how many are listening this morning, you in church or in the hospitals or over the radio where you know God has said no. You know that the answer is no. And it's going to be no and it's not going to be yes. And God is not going to remove that affliction. And you know that this is what you're going to have. And you and I may say, what about this God? And God says, don't you know that my love, my mercy, my compassion, my grace is sufficient for you. It's all that you need. You don't need any more. You don't need a yes from me. Because God says, when I say no... My love has its finest hour in your life. Then my love does its greatest good. My love brings you blessings that are even better than a yes. Than better than if I would say, I will heal your body. And you and I may say, how so? Because Paul reminds us also in the second place that when God says no in your life and mine, when God says, I'm not going to heal you. It just isn't going to come. It is then when God's love brings you and me to a fuller appreciation of Jesus Christ as our companion. We talk about the companionship of Jesus. And yet, you realize that if every time illness came to your body and mind that God would say yes, you and I would never really get to know Jesus intimately. We, we would never get to be drawn close to him to really know what kind of a companion he is. Isn't it only when God says no that, oh, his love suddenly begins to draw us and we get closer to Jesus and then we realize what a wonderful companion and friend he really is. How he starts to refine you and me. You know the refiner when he puts his gold in the dross in the bucket and he begins to boil it with fire underneath. He keeps blowing the smoke off of again the contents and keeps blowing it away and boiling the dross until finally in the molten gold he can see his image, his own face. And then he knows it's pure gold. And what a companion we have that Jesus begins to get the dross out of your life and mine. The things that, oh, the rough edges in your life and mine that we have been a little bit indifferent about and he keeps blowing in your life and mine that suddenly he sees his image and you and I begin to look something like him. We become sort of Christ-like. Oh, what a companion. But it comes when God says, No, I'm not going to heal your body, son, daughter. I am going to take that affliction. And oh, when we realize that what a companion he is, 
and we learn so much more of him. You know, it's rather strange when God says no in some people's lives. I have some of you say to me, I remember now years ago in the sermon you made this statement, and you say, oh, how it lives and how it comforts me, and I don't even remember ever saying it. Rather strange how our capacity begins to grow, and we begin to appreciate the word of God and how precious it is, and we expand, and as our spiritual expansion gets greater and greater, we realize that our companion is getting us ready for heaven so we can enjoy more of it because there will be different degrees of hidden glory in heaven on the basis of how close we have come to him, our Christ and our Lord. And then when there comes this blessedness of companionship, he gives us this blessing that it's far better than a yes, a removal of your illness and mine. We come to an unshakable conviction in him as our Christ who gives us serenity, who gives us peace and calmness every day of our life, even in view of death. Oh, what's the blessing when God says no? That what does love do? Love gives you and me the companionship of our Christ who died for us. Then there is serenity. And we say, I'm no longer afraid. It's all right that you have said no. And we're not afraid to live because in this companionship our Christ says, I, with my love, give you strength every day. And doesn't he say to you and me, Now have I ever given you a ten-ton load on a ton-and-a-half truck? And as we walk and surrender, we say, No, Lord, I know you said no, and you won't take this from my body, but you have never given me a ten-ton load on my little ton-and-a-half truck. There has always been your grace and mercy to sustain me. And then this, oh, this calmness and serenity, we say, well, Lord, I'm not even afraid of death anymore because I've got you. You are my Lord who died and who arose, and you are my companion. Oh, again, this is the Sunday when God says no. When God says, listen, my answer is no. Just like I told Paul, like I told my son, it's no, I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to heal it. God says, my love is all you need. You don't need a yes from me. My love has its best hour when I tell you no. That's when my love gives you blessings that more than compensate and offset even a yes. And you know, if you and I today could just believe that, if we could say, well, God's love is all I need. It's ample. It's sufficient. I need nothing else except the mercy of God. When God tells me no and God says, I'm not going to heal your body. And when you and I believe that, then we ought to determine today to say, God, I'm not going to be bitter. I'm not going to be blasphemous. I will accept the no. And then we'll look and we'll say, God, I wonder why you have said no. You know, it's rather interesting. Oh, to accept it. You know, Jesus in Gethsemane, when God said, Son, my answer is no. I'm sorry, but it's no. Three times, no. No, no, just like the Paul. Son, it's going to have to be suffering in body. And Jesus accepted it, didn't he? Not my will, but thy will be done. Uh, Paul accepted it, but Paul's doctrines. I wonder why. You know, Paul solved it as far as he could see. And here's the reason. Paul said to the Corinthians, I know 
why God say no to me. In other words, God should say no to me. He tells them about a tremendous incident that we wouldn't know about it if it were not for this letter to the Corinthians. He said, 14 years ago, he said, I know something happened to a man. He was talking about himself. He said, now I don't understand whether I was in the body or out of the body. God knows. I don't know whether this was a physical experience Paul told him or not. But he said, I was transported to heaven. I, Paul, think of it, he told them. I got a preview of heaven. I was taken to the third heaven, to the paradise of God. God let me have a view of heaven. Think of it, where I saw things that I couldn't tell you about if I had to because there's no language, and I'm sure God wouldn't want me to tell you about it, he said. And I had a preview of heaven. And then Paul, why was God saying no to him? Paul, that thorn in the flesh is not going to be taken away. Paul solidly says, I think I know. God knows that if he didn't do something, oh, I might be proud. And what could he do with me in pride? That I might be boasting and say, look, I had a preview of heaven. Look who I am. And God realized that I might be boasting and think of myself more than I should and have other people think of me more than they should. And so God said, here's a thorn in the flesh, Paul. My answer, Paul, is no. It's no. It's going to be no. And Paul accepted it. And all oh, the joy that we have when we accept it and we say, God, there, there's a good reason. And then this comfort, but God, you still love me. How many of us this morning realize what a comfort it is to come to Holy Communion? Do you realize what it means when we say, God, you're, you're saying no. How many of you are in church this morning where God's saying no? And you know that you've got something in your body that's going to kill you. And it's not going to be taken away. And how many of you listening know this, that God's answer is no. And every indication, it's no. And you may say, does God still love me? Have you ever seen the love of God in Holy Communion? When we can come to God's all and by means of lowly bread and wine, the living Christ comes and enters your heart and mind, bringing his body and his blood. And that body and that blood erasing from your soul and mind every trace of sin and he living within you and me coming in every communion to commune with you and me and to live in our hearts by faith to say now you know I love you you know you're precious I have come to live within you you have received me and my body and my blood I have washed your soul whiter than snow really does anything else matter have you ever seen the tremendous comfort of God's love in communion? Oh, we ought to crawl to it on our knees, oughtn't we? Today, sexagesima Sunday, when God says no, God says, no, son, I'm not going to take it away. He said it to Paul. He said it to his own son. And God says, don't you realize that my love, my grace, my mercy, my compassion, it's sufficient. It's all you need. It's enough. You don't need a yes from me to take it away. I'm not going to take it away. My love, why, my love has its finest hour, God says, when I say no to you. That's when my love does its grandest work. That's when it reaches the perfection that I want in your life. That's when it brings you blessings that are far greater than even a yes. You and I may say, is that true? Yeah, because Paul also assures us that when God says no in your life and mine, it's then that his love and his grace so undeserved in his mercy that it brings you and me to a greater appreciation of Christ as the seeker of lost souls. How many of us have said to ourselves, 
it doesn't make much difference to me whether men are lost or not. But isn't it strange when God comes to you and me and God says the answer is no. And you and I know that there's an affliction of body that's going to remain and it's not going to go away. We take another look at our Christ and we say, isn't he wonderful? Isn't he tremendous that he is the seeker of the lost? That he came that no man should be lost. He wants everybody saved and he yearns and he longs and he pines for the salvation of all. As I live, saith the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. That Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. How many, again, when God has said no, have said to me, I had a man say to me one day, I've been asleep. Where have I been? Here is Christ who loves all men desperately. And I've never seen just how he longs for souls until God has said, my answer is no. And he said, here I lie. Oh, that I might do something. And oh, how selfish we get. How in our own homes, in our own family, there are those whom we love so dearly who don't know Jesus. And it doesn't seem to bother us so much until God comes and says in an affliction, my answer is no. And oh, what a difference. We see, again, Christ who longs. And then there comes this blessing, and it's greater than a yes, than health of body, that we come to an unshakable conviction in Christ, and we say, what a privilege to show forth his glory in what remains of our life. Do you know of any greater blessing than to be filled with zeal, to be filled with love, to say, God's answer is no. What time I have left, it shall be my privilege to say some nice things about Jesus Christ. And oh, if we could just realize what that love is. Why, at best, health of body is just temporary. It's going to be gone again. He couldn't keep on saying yes to you and me. There's got to be a time for no. And if he kept on saying yes, we'd be so selfish. We wouldn't care about eternal life in Christ, and we wouldn't care whether our family had it. Oh, today we ought to determine, we ought to say this. I know that your love is all I need, Lord. And if you need to say no to me, in order that through me some loved one in my family may know you, it's all right, Lord. When I was at Cap University, I had an instructor for one year. We became rather intimate friends. He was only at Cap just several years. As I got to know him, I realized a background that he had. He had been in a seminary of another denomination. And while in the seminary he became very bitter against God and against Christ and against the church and faith in general, and he quit and there was, oh, there was a ridiculous spirit about him, he said, blasphemous, went away from God and he decided to become a college professor. He told me about it one night. And then he said, you know, with all my intellectual training, he said, I just couldn't stay away from him because of my mother. And he said, I've always loved my mother. And the day came when God, in his mother's life, he said no to her. And this young instructor said, I watched my mother die. I watched the way she acted when God said no. And I, I saw that faith. And I remember her saying to me, Son, I expect to see you in heaven with me. 
I expect to have you in heaven with me. And he said to me, with all of my intellectual training, with all of my reasons that I thought there was no God and that Christ wasn't the Savior, he said, and I had to come back because of the way my mother, when God said no, the way she talked to me. We used to take long walks at night after a busy day. We used to sing hymns between us as we walked the streets of Bexley and we'd sing a hymn or so, some of them even in German that I remembered as a child. And he'd say, my mother taught me that hymn. That's what brought me back. And I think of a young man who went to the University of Glasgow in Scotland and I was there and visited that university. His name, name was George Matheson. He attended college there and he was preparing for the ministry and his eyesight was bad. He was engaged to a girl whom he loved very dearly. And during his college training period, his eyesight failed him. When he asked the young lady to marry him, she returned again his invitation and refused because he was blind. And George Matheson said, when God said no to him, with regard to blindness, and he was blind. When there came a no as regards the girl that he loved who wouldn't marry him, he said he was in great mental anguish, and he sat down one night, and he said, it wasn't as though I composed it. It seemed to be that God was telling me what to write, and I wrote it. And George Matheson became the author of a beautiful hymn about God's love. Oh, love, he wrote, that wilt not let me go. I rest my weary soul in thee. I give thee back the life I owe, that in thine ocean's depth its flow may fuller, richer be. He realized how fuller and richer his life was when he experienced the love of Jesus. My grace is sufficient for you in the day when God says to you and me, if he hasn't already said it, my answer, son, my answer, daughter, it's no, it's no, it's no. My grace is all you need. Amen. The peace of God, which passeth all human understanding, keeping unites your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen.